0: Welcome to the neo Chuan podcast. This is Isaac. Uh, this is a bi weekly podcast where my friend Jess O'Brien and I discuss internal martial arts, Qigong, and meditation. Uh, this week we start season two. Uh, this season is going to be about some of the um, teachers of Liu Hung Je, who we covered in the first season. Um, we're going to start with his main. Uh, Direct teacher in Bagua Zhang who was Liu Zhenglin. Then in the second part of the episode, we'll be discussing uh, different Nei Gong principles. So we're going to start off with breathing, um, and that's going to sort of take us you know through most of the internal practices that we do. In addition to that, on our Patreon, we're going to be releasing more interviews. We just released Frank Allen's interview. Uh, you should definitely check that out. Um, and we're going to be doing a shingy audio, possible some video to go along with it, uh, sort of program practice session thing, kind of like what Jess did with the Baguajang uh, over the next season. So that's another bonus if you join the Patreon. A quick thank you to all the Patreon uh, subscribers that have uh, joined over the first season, and you know to everyone else, thanks for listening. Jess and I have really enjoyed doing this so far and uh, hope to keep doing it for some time to come. So, again, thanks for listening and enjoy the episode.
1: Welcome to the Nejia Chen Podcast, Season 2. Welcome back, everybody. Glad to be here to start the next season of the Nejia Chen Podcast. Isaac and I have been uh, busy coming up with some new ideas and pretty exciting plans that we're really uh, stoked to share with you today about how Season 2 is going to go. How's it going, Isaac? How are you doing today? Uh, It's going
0: well. It's going well, Jess. Nice to see you.
1: Good to see you, too. It's been a while. Season one was a lot of fun. I think covering opening the energy gates in detail was a blast for me because I love that set, and I love just all the nuances of it and the history as well. But I think here in season two, we want to broaden things out a little bit and take a focus off a single set like that and open our view and discussion of martial arts, Chinese martial arts, and... um so where where are we going to go with this
0: well one of the things that came up uh, was that uh, there are a lot of names that we mentioned during the first season of a lot of teachers. historical
1: figures yeah
0: right so this uh season's going to be about exploring some of those historical figures as well as going into some of the uh nagong principles that we mentioned beyond just the energy gate stuff
1: last season, we spent a lot of time, especially at the end, talking about this great martial arts teacher, Leo Hongjie, who, you know, he's this master who's made it through all these turbulent times and made it into the modern era to sort of pass on his lineage of martial arts and qigong and meditation that he was into. And the next part of the journey is to look beyond Master Leo Hongjie to his teachers, the generation before him. And since he was born at the turn of the century, we're talking about teachers that were born in the mid to late 1800s. Um, and that's sort of the time period we're going to look at and dig up everything we can find in English about these martial arts teachers that were the lineage that flowed into Hung Hongjie and then made its way over here to the Western world.
0: Right. So this is more of a journey just to find out as much as we can rather than... Uh come out here and pretend like we know everything about these guys already
1: (laughs) exactly there's some amazing stories and events and uh really interesting characters involved here so i think season two is going to be a lot of fun so we're going to start with master leo zen Lin. now master leo zen Lin, we've mentioned a couple times in season one he's a martial arts teacher and practitioner in Beijing, who was a mentor and teacher to Liu Hongjie, the lineage that we participate in here. Liu Zhen Lin is an older teacher of the of the generation previous, so he's closer to the the founders and originators of these arts, and he's part of this old fashioned martial arts world of the Qing dynasty, basically, of the 1880s, 1890s, 1900s. Now let's hear a little bit about this master, Leo Zen Lin. Um, drawing from the book Whirling Circles by Frank Allen, um, we, we get a little portrait painted of Leo Zen Lin. Um, it says here that Leo Zen Lin was teaching in the school of Cheng Yulong, the standard bearer of this Cheng style Bagua. Um, also associated with the school was another famous master, Leo Daquan, that we'll get into some other time. Um, Leo Zen Lin was a famous fighter and bodyguard who first studied Bagua under Yinfu student Liu Yongqing. Um, so that's a fam- another famous teacher that he was a... Assist-
0: Liu Yongqing, that's the Iron Arm Li.
1: Iron Arms Li. So the young Leo Zenlin learned all of his Bagua, basic Bagua, from these two masters. But his teachers brought him to bow before and become a disciple of a higher up teacher so that his lineage was linked to a to a higher one because he was such a proficient uh, practitioner. So in this way, Leo Zen Lin received entry into the third generation of Bagua masters. Um, So he's early on in the higher up in the chart of uh, masters and the uh, lineage that goes with that.
0: Well, we should explain what that means though. I mean, essentially what that means is that he was good enough that his teachers took him to, you know, uh, a. Guy even higher than them, which then put him essentially on the same level as his teachers. Um, which is quite a I think a rare a rare activity.
1: That's an honor, right? To have lifted up by your teachers to be equals to them. Yeah. In this Chinese martial arts world, that's a pretty rare event. You know, usually your lineage is very uh firmly defended, you know, and jealously guarded. Now, another piece of information we picked up is you know this guy Liu Zenlin is teaching inside this overall school of Cheng, the Cheng Tinghua lineage. He's one of the guys there, Liu Zenlin. And um, it describes here that this this school is located in the field outside the Suiwen Gate on Shimo Street in Beijing. Famous practitioners from both Yin style and Cheng style Bagua often came in their free time to sit and linger. And this this little quote we found off of a site on the internet. It it connects to a lot of what uh, BK Francis is saying in power of internal martial arts, how this, this Bagua school was a gathering place for all, or not all, but all the representatives of all the different branches of Bagua felt free to come and hang out and practice. And as it it says here, they in their free time to sit and linger. So I just picture a bunch of martial arts people just coming and going and hanging out, talking, comparing techniques, um, complaining about the other people's, you know, technique isn't as good as yours and their lineage isn't as good or whatever. And just, you Know the usual martial arts banter, it right? Seems like I mean, it was, this was a really unique place,
0: yeah. I think that you know, this is often sort of referred to as like the golden age of martial arts, right? And I think there were these uh places where uh people just sponsored martial artists, like you know, you could uh, usually it was other martial artists, but sometimes it was just you know, rich patrons who you know wanted to support the local martial art community and and they would set up these, you know, associations and people could get trained there and stuff like that. Not unlike, you know, sports today, right? I mean, you'd have, you have little like basketball leagues and stuff like that where people just, you know, anybody can join if they want to. So.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, there's, there's more about this school that we'll, we're going to keep digging and uncovering
0: as far as i know this was the main school of Yo long right and and that the the place where leo Hong started his bagua training and
1: um and that's yeah, where that's he leo met this other guy leo leo zen lin right that uh we wanted <laughs> to, to a, give us there's gonna be it. a lot
0: of leos in this season people so <laughs>
1: <laughs> we keep running all these different guys leo, using that name um so another thing we dug up about this master Leo Zen Lin. So this is off the website of the students of a teacher in Beijing, Beijing Zhu Bao Zen. Um, and here it says it lists his birth date as 1885, and he lives till 1967, right around the time of the Cultural Revolution. He's he's quite elderly and passes away. It looks like around um, over 80 years old. Um, Leo well, Zen we, Lin. We have a
0: we have a photograph of him. Uh, I think it's from 65 or something like that and in it, mm. it, early you know, 60s um but it's him with Leo hung Jane. And
1: instead so yeah. the guy Zhu Bao Zen.
0: yeah right Zhu Bao Zhen is like a teenager in this photograph that we have and leo and yeah he we'll Jane. put that
1: up on the on the website if people want to come check that out yeah. and you can see this guy leo Zen Lin is the old guy in the middle. Um, there's another picture of him in his, in his youth as well that's on a different website you can find. Um, so going back to the biography of Liu Zenlin, he studied as a young man Chang Chen, the southern fist. Then he followed the teachings of the Xingyi master Li Yunshan, another guy. Then he learned Bagua Zhang under Zhu Wenbao, who then introduced him to the Yin line Li Yang Chuang, Iron Armed Li. Okay, that's a lot of names again. But the point being here, um, another source here is giving us his training under this mysterious figure, Zhu Wa and Bao, um, as well as learning yin fu style. So Liu Zhen Lin, who we're profiling, he's really this unique combination, not necessarily unique, but he, he brings in different lines of Bagua that he learns that all flow through him kind of during this time period when the schools weren't so divided and weren't so um, disparate, disparate from one another before World War II. This is a time period. Shoot, this is even really concurrent with World War One. This is before the Warlord period, kind of breaks everything right. up. This is where ba- Bagua masters were hanging out and exchanging information in firsthand. So, Liu Zhen Lin is really a representative of a Bagua stream before such a thing as Cheng style and Yin style.
0: There were different styles within the group, but but there were. I think it was pretty fluid in terms of going back and forth. Right. Um, at least if you knew the right people.
1: Exactly. And it, uh, it seems like the further we get from the founder in the 1800s, the schools just drift further and further apart, and their techniques get further and further apart, and their connections to each other break apart too, especially with all these wars and conflicts. So the school really fractures in, a, in sort of a short period of time. All this 100 years of the 1900s, Bagua school just blows apart and spreads all over the world in directions you know, the USA and Australia and England and, you know, just all over the place. So looking ahead here at this biography that we're looking at here of uh, Leo Zen Lin, um, it talks about his yin, yin fu master, yin fu style master Li Yongqing nicknamed iron arm Li is where he learned the techniques of the hard palm. So it sounds like this yin style he learned had some harsh, uh, iron qualities to him. Iron arm sounds like someone who would just like smash arm to arm and break your forearm or something.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to talk more about him later. So I don't want to give away too much of his story, but yeah. But Stay yeah. Tuned. So this is
1: the other side of it. Stay exactly. Tuned, so at 23, Leo Zenlin Lin got the nickname Bagua Liu and was proclaimed a Bagua teacher by Cheng Yu Long, the famous son of this founder of this branch and two, and, uh, as well as others in the group, so it sounds like he's he's becoming known for his bagua from day one, um, and he clearly has a huge love of well, it, having participated in these two different streams.
0: And I, I have a theory about the the nickname. I think it may have been a somewhat uh, facetious nickname from his, his yi teachers. That because uh, I I don't know. To me, it, it seems unlikely that. Bagua guys would give you a nickname of Bagua Liu. That I don't know, to me, that seems odd. I see, where I see, where what you're saying. I see what
1: you're where saying, where a Xingyi
0: guy would would call you. That it is sort of a jokingly, yeah. Like, yeah. like, ah,
1: you're the Bagua, you know, but but you're still
0: the- you know, though they were his teachers, uh, right? But yeah. so the
1: Ozen Lin is is also participating in Shingi at a very high level during this time period, uh,
0: the, the guy he trained with uh young was a direct student of li kang yi
1: so there's another like very original stream from this 20 you know these early 20th century martial arts traditions leo zen lin's participating in the very thick of it you know yeah very i mean this
0: like i said this was the golden age of it and these guys were right in the middle of it
1: really interesting moving on to nagung principles this part of the podcast is where we want to address the different nagung principles of training that go into internal martial arts as we know it and so each week we're going to look at another aspect of one of the nagung principles sometimes it's going to be two episodes on one principle sometimes it'll just be one but we want to give our thoughts and sort of training ideas and our general sense of things so starting with breathing um what do you think isaac where do you start when it comes to breathing
0: Uh, I think the most important thing with breathing is to at least keep it natural in the beginning, not to try to force it to do anything. There's a lot of breathing techniques that give you a a goal, like, you know, do this. So you breathe for 20 seconds or something, you know, like, so there's a time limit or, or you make some sort of pattern with your breath and, um, those things can come later. But I think in the beginning, just getting a really smooth inhale, exhale without holding your breath and trying to get it to be sort of located in your uh, lower abdomen, belly, sides, back. You know, that's uh, a great place to start. If you can get that, then, there, you know, there are lots of things you can do on top of that. But the the basic practice of just how to keep your mind on that thing is, is sort of the foundation of uh, really all internal practices. When I started learning, Bruce didn't teach much breathing. And. Someone asked him, you know, well, what about breathing? His his answer for the longest time was, well, if you don't breathe, you'll die. Right? right. That You have to breathe, but don't make it the focus of everything you're doing. But if you're practicing breathing, obviously it's the focus. But the, the, sometimes I think people overemphasize the breathing, which causes this sort of tension in, in you know, you, you start getting worked up around it. Mm-hmm. So, again, keeping it natural, keeping it smooth, because it's it's sort of like sets the frequency for your nervous system so it's about setting that like getting everything to calm down it's, it's why even in uh anger management stuff you know what they tell you they tell you you know before you do anything take you know 10 deep breaths or something like that right. because it does have this sort of calming effect on your nervous system mm-hmm. yeah it's deeply
1: linked with your nerves with your mind with right. I'll do. You know, it's a way to train concentration. I mean, but it's funny, though, because when we first got together, I was just, you know, the, you're always your philosophy about breathing was, yeah, breathe or else you'll die. And we never spent a whole lot of time on it. Just like in your classic thing, it's like bleep breathing. You know, let's move on to more important yeah. topics. I mean, we get around to that later.
0: Admittedly, I, I think I tend to um, <laughs> not emphasize breathing and because of that thing of uh there was so much of breathing as you know trying to coordinate the breathing with the movement yeah. that people can't relax and and right. um when you relax your breath will work itself out right like so yeah. but if you're tense yeah, and trying yeah that's to, it yeah so you know again it all it goes back to that that principle of you can try to force it and make it do a certain pattern but that creates a uh sort of baseline tension to the whole thing yeah by sticking Um, to
1: an artificial pattern you might be kind of overdoing i think one thing that stands out to me is like we've always taken the approach of relax your body and mind and then your breathing will follow other other people might want to start with the breathing first to help relax their mind or whatever but i think i think back to when we were doing a lot of heavy sparring and stuff and watching how some people would completely be gasping for breath because of their nerves their emotions their intensity would just drive that breathing. You you couldn't change that with a pattern. In other words, by keeping your body relaxed while you're sparring, your breath takes care of itself, kind of. Um, um, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No, I uh, I think one of the... Uh, I think it's Gene LaBelle said, if you can't breathe, you can't fight. And mm. his thing was to choke, you know, wrap the gi around your oh, neck. Oh, right. So
1: he's a judo Gene LaBelle.
0: Okay. Choke, choke you with your own gi, right? But... Uh, the, the, the idea this, that, you know, it's it's such a fundamental piece of the whole thing, and yet it also has to be comfortable and natural and, and relaxed. And so I think the it's sort of the, there's breathing practices and then there's the integrate integration of breathing practices into moving practices and everything else. And, you know, I never was a did a lot of sitting breathing stuff. Most of the breathing I learned was in stuff like Santi or, uh, you know, Qigong standing stuff. And, and so that gives it a slightly different element because it's linked to your physical body in a way that it isn't necessarily, if you're just laying down or, you know, sitting and just breathing. So, um,
1: totally. So I think the takeaway to me is for the way we've trained is that incorporate You know softness smoothness relaxation connectedness in your movement and your breath will start to pair with that and as you walk the circle you'll notice your breath more and more and it over time it'll start to smooth itself out as you relax the rest of your body so
0: right whatever the practice is i mean that's the thing about breathing right is it's um it is the universal practice that you can you can breathe and do any practice right any activity so you could play guitar and practice your breathing you could drive and practice your breathing because you're always doing it right
1: right um, so and that makes sense in the terms of nagung principles like gong is something you do within an action it's right. if you're going to move your arm you move it with opening and closing or with moving energy in this case every single action of qigong martial arts whatever you apply awareness of breath to that. And in that sense, fulfill the first nagong principle, pretty much. yeah. And I that think, one stays in place as you continue to train that one never goes away.
0: Right? Well, that's, that's what I was just gonna say is I think that it has to do with the fact that it's the one thing in all of the you know, you don't have to open and close your joints, you don't have to dissolve, you don't have to twist your muscles and your tendons and your ligaments. But You have to breathe. And so it's
1: one principle everyone has to do like it or not. Right.
0: And you do it, you know, you literally, you do it from the day you were born till the day you die. It's kind of the thing that defines those two, those two activities. Right. Um, So, you know, again, to me, it's a, it's about getting to the point where it integrates into your life. And it's not something you even have to think about, but that takes a lot of practice, but you know, uh, But but that's the goal is that not that you have to put yourself in a quiet room and, you know, put on some soft music and, you know, focus on your breathing. It's like breathing should be something you can do when, you know, uh you're on a subway and two people start getting into a fight right next to you or you know you you see a car crash right next to you or something you know where there's some kind of event you know that's when you want your breath to be at its at its calmest you know so it's a good vehicle for that sort of thing
1: yeah it's interesting because going back to the idea of Negong, gong gong the inner work nay meaning inner gong meaning work this is you know, you could do a million things with your body, but Nagong has to happen inside your body on some level. And here, this first principle is the, the rawest, most, the grossest, the most physical, the most, I don't know how to, just. it's the most visible one that of the, all the Nagong principles. If you're spinning your energy gates, nobody can see that. But if you're breathing, whether it's reverse breathing or you know, breathing in different patterns or different parts of your body. That's it's small, but you can physically see it. It's one of the negative components that actually is visible. There's only a few that are.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's the, there's a way of looking at it from one perspective. The inside of your lungs are still the outside of your body because as the, you know, they're coming into contact with the air from the outside. So, right.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. It's the the
0: exposed part of your lung to the outside world is the inside of it. Right. Right. Um, So there's a sense of I think that your lungs or your breath is kind of the bridge between what is external and what is internal. Mm -hmm. So feeling that sort of boundary between, okay, I can feel the inside of my breath and and then I can feel the, the bag. Right. Essentially. And then you can feel sort of what's on the other side of the bag. And that's a really solid, concrete way of starting uh, a, a you know practice of a feeling of proprioception. Right. Right.
1: If you want to get in your inner body and you want to get the sense of what's going on inside and working with it, what better place to start than a than a physical an, an external surface that's just sort of folded deep inside you? That's pretty weird to think about, actually. Yeah, and this
0: is, and this is, I think, where you know, from my perspective, this is not meditation. This is negong right and that that meditation uses breath as a Mm. as a tool but Mm. it does very different things with the mind while you're doing it where qigong has this very specific thing about working it with the body and releasing energy inside the body and you know physicality and you know right
1: that's whereas meditation you're just using the breath as a as an awareness tool a way of staying focused a way of staying present whereas in negong you're you're doing all kinds of stuff with your breath that physically affect your body Movement,
0: yeah i, I blood, mean the, i could be wrong but i think of it as negong is the developing the power of your breath the skill of your breath the awareness of your breath so that you can then meditate and your breath stays stable right So it's the training wheels to get you to the point that you can ride the bike, which is breathing while you meditate or breathing while you fight or breathing while you do any activity. Right. When you, when you get to that point that it integrates and you can do it without your mind spacing out or, um, that it's, it's in, you know, it's, it's constant then you don't, uh, have to, again, like I said, you don't have to put your conscious intent intent on it. It's just there. Um, and you can start to do other things.
1: One thing somebody told me years ago I forget where I ran across it but it was the idea that external martial arts you use a lot of conditioning and jump rope and stuff like that to build up your wind whereas internal martial arts should your breathing training and your relaxation training should enable you to spar without getting winded and tired and I think the, that, that's maybe exaggerated a little bit because everyone needs some cardio but there's something to that, having that relaxed ability to continue breathing match after match instead of gassing out and falling down, and feeling wiped out. Because um, what's more intense than a sparring match, you know? So that that really tests your Well, I relaxation. mean, lots of, lots of things
0: can can be more stressful than a sparring match, but-, well, but that's a good point in you know, real life.
1: <laughs> I meant in terms of martial arts, you know?
0: But again, the, to me, I think that's the thing. You do it in sparring and you do it in stressful or manufactured stressful situation so that when you know you're in real life confronted with either a violent situation or a stressful situation you don't lose it right you don't lose your nagong
1: and and that's the uh you
0: know the real skill of the
1: whole thing i wanted to pull a little quote from another old teacher the famous natural boxing master wan lai shen who was a, a good friend of Grandmaster Liu Ja. in his book here on his meditation book, he discusses the regulating the breath. The breath should be natural and unforced. The mind should be aware of it and yet not aware of it, meaning constantly a part of it rather than separate from it. The real idea is not to regulate the breath, but instead let it regulate itself. And yet, if you'd like to describe it as regulating the breath, I will not argue. <laughs> So basically it like says, that. call it whatever you want, but the goal is to let it regulate itself somehow. And I think that's profound. Right.
0: Yeah. Like like I said, you know, the relaxation comes first and the breath will do its thing. And um, Yeah. I like, I like that. That's a good quote. All right, bro. Well, all right. Uh, good talking to you. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Let's do it back. again soon. All right. Bye. Hey folks, Isaac again here. Uh, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, check out our Instagram. I'll be putting some pictures up of uh, Liu Jinglin and some other folks so you can sort of see who we're talking about here. And we'll also put up a chart of uh, the people we're talking about so you can see the relative connections between them. Uh,
1: Okay, thanks for listening and take care.